What I want to read from is Jesus' final hours before his um, crucifixion. And these you could call, I know we're all into March Madness and the final four. You could call these the final five, probably. The final five hours that Jesus spent with his uh, disciples. And towards the end of chapter 13, verse 31, I'm going to begin there. Really, the text is verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I use the words unknown, strange, remarkable, marvelous, and complicated. I say those words because when the word new is used here, a new command I give you, the new is the word kainos in the original, and the word reflects those Adjectives, unknown, strange, remarkable, marvelous, and complicated. John chapter 13, verse 31. The question on the floor, as I said earlier, is not so much what we're up to. It's about paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is up to. And I said already that if you didn't get anything from this evening, the single most greatest missionary force in the world is the love of Jesus as expressed in Jesus' followers loving one another. So let's turn to verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Glorify. How many times used there? It's quite a bit. Five times. Jesus, as we read through this passage, uh, understand that John reflects on glory and then misery and then glory and then misery again. Okay, that's sort of where we're headed with this one. The glory is that Jesus is headed to a weekend and no less is going to happen than his crucifixion and his resurrection. And so John says that is glory. Strange. Unknown. Remarkable. Marvelous. Complicated. If you look at the verse just above, and I don't know, you've got the projector up there, but if the verse just above, uh, verse 31, it talks about Judas, and that Judas was just taken, it just was referred to as being the one who was going to betray Jesus, and Judas was, took the bread, and he went out, and it was night, John writes. Glory. And Jesus, and Judas, I say, 
goes out, and it is night. But I think what John is trying to get to us here is saying, hey, don't focus so much on Judas going out in the night. Focus on what Jesus is doing in the glory. Enjoy Jesus and what he's about to do. Don't focus on the dark side, if you will, of what Judas is going to do. Focus on the glory of what Jesus is going to do. Now, I know that it's easy to focus on the negative. It's easy. And some of you may say, hey, we had a great mission emphasis week. Uh, but we did miss the chicken. I heard that. But God is telling us not to focus on the night because we're all headed towards the light. Yes, there is Judas. There is peril. Yes, there is the dark things. There are bad things that are going on, but let's not focus on that, John is saying. Let's focus on the glory that Jesus is about to go into and enter. Glory. But there's also a sad word. There's misery, if you look on at verse 33. My little children, I'll only be with you a little while longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. Hmm. They cannot come. Their lives are too messed up. Apart from the cross and apart from the resurrection, apart from the Holy Spirit working in our lives, apart from Jesus' coming again, Apart from him rising from the dead, none of us can follow where he's going. We're hopelessly lost. Things aren't right and we're not right. We're messed up. It's interesting, the original language, Jesus saying, you're not able to come where I am not yet, are the last two words. Not now. For now, you can't come. Jesus needed to take on the prince of this world in order for any of us to be able to follow him. Only when Jesus takes on the prince of this world can we follow. Misery. But there's glory. A new command I give you, Jesus says. A new command. New? What's new about this command? That you love one another. There's nothing new about that. I mean, the Old Testament, we know that God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. So what's new about that? Love one another. Have a heart for one another. What is new about this command is the person who's calling us to the command. Jesus. What is new about the command is the source. That's what's new. You see, there's nothing new about love, but the source of our love is what is new. You know, we can take 
personality tests and be checked out and see where we are in terms of what maybe a SWOT analysis or things like this. And you might say, well, you know, certain people tend to be more loving and other people are not. You know, uh, Pastor Wolf or Antoine or whoever, they're more loving than other people know. What Jesus and what John is referring to here is tapping into a new source of love, a resurrected love in Jesus Christ. It's precisely that source of love that you and I need. You see, the difference is is night and day. The difference is dramatic. It's not a matter of myself working up enough energy to love somebody else. It's a matter of me tapping into the source of Jesus himself in order to love others. It's not just a question of my own strength. You see, my wife and I have been married for will be 39 years this year. Okay, And you could say, well, on our wedding day, we loved each other, right? At least I hope so. But after 39 years, you begin to say, oh, okay, things are a little more messed up. Things don't work out exactly like you wish they would. Sometimes you wonder if there's more glory than misery. Amen? I don't know. I'm getting myself in trouble here, I know. Uh, But it's a question of tapping into a source of love that is beyond my wife and I. Okay? It's a question of tapping into a source. It's not a question of how you're feeling this day or how you're feeling that day. It's a question of tapping into a source that's larger than you or I. That's the kind of new love that Jesus is referring to here. A new command I give you. The most powerful missionary force in the world is when my people come together and they love one another. For you see, when likes like somebody who is like themselves, not too many people pay much attention to that. Republicans like Republicans. Democrats like Democrats. CRCs like CRCs sometimes. Dutch like Dutch. Whites like whites. Rich like rich. On and on and on. But when people are different, when, when, when Jesus says, I want you even to love your enemies, now that's different. Then people pay attention. When Jews love Nazis, when Arabs love Jews, when Christians love Muslims, when gangs love police, and police love neighborhoods. You see, the early Christian church, the more I learn about it, the more I see about the early Christian church, is they didn't grow because they were all alike. They grew because they believed that the resurrected Jesus lived within them, within them, and that that love was expressed in who they were and what they did. And then the world took notice, and still does. 
There is no greater missionary force in the world than when communities live out the source of Jesus' love for one another. Enjoy the source and enjoy the goal, others. So what does that mean for, for us? Number one, it means love the church. Love one another. Be loyal to the church. People are always saying they don't need the church. I run into that all the time. Well, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in prayer. I I'm, I'm just don't come to the church. The church has a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> well, the truth be told, yeah, the church is a mess. You bet the church is a mess. But Jesus died for his church. And none of us has yet to pay that high a price. Not yet. So who are we to complain? Jesus is saying you want to love? Well, start by loving my own people, my own folk. Love one another. John Calvin said, no one can have God as his father who does not have the church as his mother. Secondly, love those who are different from you. The Pope, Pope Francis, has caught the world's attention in just one year. It's not noticed, the Pope is not only noticed by the Catholic Church, noticed by the Protestant Church, noticed by the entire world. Why? Because his life and his message are fresh. It's unknown. It's strange. It's remarkable. It's it's marvelous. It's somewhat complicated. Love. (laughs) Love the little, the lost, the least. Love the marginalized. Love the powerless. Love those who are on the outside. The bottom line is... The Pope is only saying to us, those who carry Jesus' name, why not live the way Jesus called us to live? Is that so remarkable? Well, yes, it is. It means loving those others who are different than you, even if they are poor, even if they are messy, even if they are different than you and I even if they may have different sexual orientation. It means loving them. That's when the world will sit up and take notice. That's when the world will say, wow, I never saw that before. We as Christians need to be for things, not always against things, for life, for peace, for justice, for loving one another, Not in our own strength. It isn't going to happen in our own strength. It's only going to happen when we tap into the source, the bank, the tank, if you will, of Jesus' love. The living presence of Jesus here today. We're not going to advance the kingdom through worldly power. We're not going to advance the kingdom through politics or through force or even through legislation. 
But the one thing we will do to advance the kingdom is when we love one another. Don't matter who they voted for. Doesn't matter how much money they have or how much how wealthy they are. Doesn't matter whether they're obnoxious. It doesn't matter if they're immature. It doesn't matter if they don't get it, and maybe they still won't get it because most of the things, a lot of things I don't get myself. It doesn't matter. The question is, do they love Jesus? And if they love Jesus, then I've got to somehow tap into a source that's greater than me and love them too. We are blessed as a church. I'm not just speaking of Lawndale. I would speak for you too. We are blessed as a church to have a community that loves one another. That's unknown. That's strange. That's remarkable. That's marvelous. And yes, it is complicated. Glory, cross and the tomb, misery, Jesus says, you can't follow me. Glory, the greatest missionary force in the world is love. And misery. I'm going to end on misery in a, in, a, in a twisted way. I'll end on misery. Jesus says in verse 30, 36, Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Lord, where you're going? It's almost as though Peter, Jesus gives him the new command, right? The greatest missionary force in the world. Love one another. And it's as though Peter didn't quite hear that. It's like Peter didn't... at. He's not really interested in that one. Because <laughs> uh, he wants to know, Lord, where you're going. That's what he wants to know. He didn't find the love commandment so interesting. And Peter's, Peter then even gets himself into deeper. And he says, I will lay down my life for you. And we must note that all four Gospels relay that story. St. Augustine said, Peter, thou didst promise me thy death. And thou wilt deny me thy life. And Jesus says, will you really lay down your life for me? Peter, you're not the hero in this story. You must learn to distrust your own strength and trust mine. Peter, when it comes down to laying down your life... There's only one that's going to do that. Peter, you're not the hero in the story. In fact, you're going to become very dangerously close to becoming the villain. Before the rooster crows at tomorrow's sunrise, you will disown me not once, not twice, three times. Peter, the story is not about you. Be quiet and listen. Stop trying to play the hero. Peter doesn't find the love command very interesting, does he? 
and often neither do we. This following Jesus is never easy. In the end, it's not a story about Wolf, Kathy, or Antoine, or Marcel, or anybody else that we might get up here. It's a story about the love of the resurrected Jesus living in us, informing Jesus' loving communities in and through us. That's what attracts. That's the most powerful missionary tool in the world. That's how the early Christian church grew. Not because they were all the same. Far from it. They grew because of the powers that people saw that they truly loved each other, and they couldn't explain it. A covenantal love, a faithfulness, a kindness that went beyond politics or beyond ideology. And brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that the world is still hungry for communities that are different, that actually love one another. So come on, let's keep on loving each other. From the love, not of ourselves, not alike, but a love from the power of the resurrected Jesus who lives and dwells in our communities and continues to pull and pull more and more people into his kingdom. Now that's unknown, and that's strange and remarkable, but it's marvelous, even though it's complicated. God bless. Amen.